I think, you know, now that this project is to a place where we can go back to being focusing on being farmers um, and doing what we love, I think we'd love to just really, you know, focus on cow comfort, maybe, you know, update our facilities um, and just really work on being the best farmers we can and doing the best we can for the cows. That's Danielle Goodrich talking about the future of her family's farm after the completion of one of the largest manure digesters in the country, a project that was a decade in the making. I'm Chris Torres, host of the Young Farmer Podcast. Thanks for listening. Danielle helps run her family's 900-head Vermont dairy, Goodrich Family Farm, with her brother Chase and father Ernie. She talks about the long road to getting the farm's large manure digester project going, getting all the partners on the same page, and running a multi-generational operation that supports three families. Billy Connolly of Vanguard Renewables also joined me for the conversation to talk more about the digester process and Vanguard's role in the project. Thanks for listening. Danielle Goodrich, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks. I'm doing well. How are you? Hey, doing pretty good, doing pretty good. We are also going to be joined a little bit later by Billy Connolly, who is the Vermont Organics Market Manager for Vanguard Renewables and uh, essentially responsible for bringing the food waste into your really large digester there on the farm. And uh, just for the listeners, Vanguard is based in Wellesley, Massachusetts. They've actually partnered with Danielle and her brother Chase, the owners of Goodrich Farm, as well as, Middlebury, as well as Middlebury College and Vermont Gas Systems on what is a 1.32 million gallon farm-powered anaerobic digester. And it produces 180,000 cubic feet of renewable natural gas. Um, one of the largest anaerobic digesters in the United States and took over a decade in the making. So we'll get into that in a few minutes. And uh, we'll also get into the award, the recognition that you and your brother got. But before we actually dive into that, Danielle, um, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about the background of your dairy farm. Can you can you briefly get go into the background of your dairy? Yeah, I would love to. Um, my grandfather started the farm in uh, 1956. Um, he was a milk inspector before that and just really had a love for cows um, in the dairy industry. So he started with about 10 cows. His mother uh, always had a love of animals. Right up the street, she uh, had, you know, enough animals to sustain her family, uh, some chickens and cows. So, you know, farming was in the blood. Then my dad decided to come back. They started milking about 100 cows. Um, I always knew as a teenager that I definitely was going to come back to the farm. Um, Chase went to school at Salveragina for accounting. Um, I went to school at Vermont Tech in Vermont for dairy. And at 2009, we both uh, joined my dad and my grandfather and started the family business. Um, let, me, let me just stop you right there, Danielle, because 2009, as you know, and as most dairy farmers know, 2009 was one of the worst years, probably in recent memory, in the dairy business. So I'm going to be very blunt with this question. Why be that crazy and come back to the dairy farm? <laughs> um, it was in my blood. I had no... I had no intention of doing anything else my entire life. Mm -hmm. um, I think Chase went and had, um, you know, he got a degree in um, accounting. So I think he was hopeful that he could come back um, with some of his knowledge on finances. And, um, you know, we just, we had seen my grandfather and my dad always power through. And my grandfather always said, you know, somehow we'll, we'll figure it out. We're going to, we'll make it work. 
And also around 2008, my dad had purchased a neighboring farm. So we had taken on, you know, a little more debt load. Um, so it was tough times. Um, that's, I will never deny that. But I think it's kind of built us to, you know, how we are and who we are today. Um, this project was 10 years in the making. It was not easy all the time. Um, but I think we just, we are tenacious. We don't give up. We're driven. I think you have to be to still be in this dairy industry. In 2009, maybe it wasn't the best time to come back, but it built us to be who we are today. It built us to never give up. And I always say, you know, especially with COVID-19, the pandemic that we're still in, but the worst of it, I think we're probably out of it. You know, if we could survive COVID-19, I think we could survive anything. I guess, is it safe to say that if you can survive 2009, you can really survive anything? I think so. I think, you know, I think it takes dairy farmers survive because it's just in our blood. You know, we are hardworking people and giving up is just not something we do. No matter what the circumstances are, we figure out a way to do it. I just think that as an industry, that's who we are. So since 2009, tell me a little bit about the, I mean, did you see some pretty good growth in, in cow numbers and in the farm itself since 2009? And when you actually came back to the operation, you and your, you and your brother, um, mm -hmm. what were your roles on the operation when you came back? To answer your first question, we have grown significantly. Um, we're up to milking around 900 cows. And instead of milking at two different facilities, now we're under one roof, um, which is awesome. We built a beautiful four-row facility that we are so proud of. Um, it's awesome for cow comforts and for our project. Having you know one flow of manure has been super for that. In 2009, as our roles um, started to develop, you know my dad is still involved in the farm, but. He was absolutely more involved in 2009 than he is now. I think, you know, now he's able to do what he wants and he watches me and Chase flourish, which is awesome. But in 2009, I obviously had to make my way up to, you know, being a manager position. I wasn't just thrown into being a manager, um, just like Chase wasn't. So we did a lot of the nitty gritty chores. We, I did a lot of the milking, um, Chase did a lot of heifer chores, a lot of cleaning, barns. Um, you know, I, we had to fight for to show that we were worthy of being managers. A lot of the employees at the time had been um, with my dad since we were, you know, very little. So they still saw us as, you know, little young kids that didn't know what they were doing. So we really had to prove ourselves. And, uh, you know, now we are more... I still do a lot of milking, still, Chase still does, you know, some of the nitty-gritty stuff, but, you know, he's taken over the books now that my grandfather is no longer here, and um, he feeds all the cows. I do um, uh, parlor management, and uh, I do all the herd health stuff. Uh, discuss, discuss the setup in the barn. Do you have a freestall, or, you know, tell me a little bit about the setup in the barn. Yeah, so we have three different um, style uh, freestyles. We have a beautiful, like I said, brand new four row facility um, that we keep our fresher animals and uh, older high lactating, um, high producing animals in that. Uh, we have a six row um, facility for some of our younger heifer uh, first lactating animals and an older style H bunk needs to be replaced someday when uh, when we can, but those are, we have, so we have three different style facilities to manage under, you know, at the main farm. 
can you tell me a little bit about the numbers in terms of production and in terms of your, your butterfat percentages and your, um, your protein and maybe even somatic cell count, all that good stuff? Yeah, I'd love to. So currently we're shipping about 61,000 a day to Agamark. They come and pick us up every day. We run wonderful somatic cell numbers. Um, we run anywhere. I like to keep us below 100. Um, the warmer temperatures, we can, uh, you know, climb up to 140. Right now it's been um, 95s here. So we were running the last couple of days about 130, um, which is high for us. But um, we take it as, you know, just part of the weather. Um, for butter fat and protein, we run about a 4.1 butter fat and about a 3.2 protein. What are you? What exactly are you milking? You milking Holsteins? You milking something else? Uh, we milk Holsteins with. Uh, I've got a couple of jerseys thrown in, but it's you know ninety nine percent Holsteins. Jerseys are fun. I love jerseys. Yeah, if I could have <laughs> all the jerseys, I would. But how about the milking system? What t- what sort of milking system do you actually use there? Uh, so we have a twenty eight um, internal rotary. It's very old. My dad put it in about 22 years ago, um, but it's efficient. It doesn't have a whole lot of bells and whistles, but it cows melt. And, and now let's go ahead and talk a little bit about your cropping. Um, it says here you have a little over 2,000 acres. Yep. So we do, this year we um, cropped about 750 acres in corn and the rest is hay ground. All right, so why don't we go ahead and get to this project because this is really um, an exciting thing for you guys. You won the you are the winner of the 2021 Outstanding Dairy Farm Sustainability Award, and uh, and you know that that's a that's a pretty interesting that that's a pretty big award here. And um, the uh, U.S. Dairy Sustainability Awards honor dairy farms, businesses, and partnerships whose practices improve the well-being of people, animals, and the planet. And uh, you know. Why don't you go ahead and tell me a little bit about this digester? Because, like I said, you this has been a decade in the making, um, and you partnered with Vanguard Renewables and Middlebury College and Vermont Gas Systems. But tell me a little bit about the about the beginnings of the project, and you know who sort of started you know the conversations on maybe getting this project going. Tell me a little bit about that. So the beginning ten years ago, the project was. Um floating around ideas with one of my professors from Vermont Tech. The original uh, person that had um, started this project, um, he did all the um, permitting. Uh, He just wasn't able to finish following through. And then Vanguard came in. We've had a great relationship with Vanguard since. It's been a long, there's a lot of permitting in Vermont. Um, There's just been a lot of pieces to put together. Like I said, we don't give up a few times. We weren't sure we were going to see the end. Uh, The end is, you know, it's here. And uh, we're really excited to have, you know, all these partnerships, this whole community work together to make this, you know, this project be successful. I mean, I didn't think, like I said, when I was coming home in 2009, I never could foresee me being a dairy farmer going into a partnership um, you know, with a college, with Vermont Gas, with Vanguards, um, and having us all work together, I think it makes this project really unique and really cool. What sort of convince? I mean, did, did you have a hard time convincing your your father, your grandfather, and even your brother on this project? I mean, tell me a little bit about that. 
No, because it was 2009. Times were tough. We knew that one of the big things for us to stay here is we were going to need to diversify some income. And this project did that. Did you, did you or your brother or anybody else, I mean, did you visit other dairy farms or, or do research on other farms that were doing these sorts of projects? Uh, my brother, Chase, actually, with my dad, I believe, um, went with Vanguard to some of their other sites. So d- did Vanguard actually approach you then to later become a partner with you, or did you approach Vanguard to, to get them involved in the project? Yeah, so as the first um, developer, things started to uh, fade out. Vanguard had, you know, had some of these projects on the ground, and with working with Middlebury College, um, we all just got connected um, and started, to, the conversation started, and, you know, that's how things kind of came about. It was, you know, all of us back to the table again, mm-hmm. and Vanguard had heard about it, knew things weren't going well, and I can't, you know, it was a quite a long time ago. I'm not really sure exactly where the connection started. I'm pretty sure that Vanguard, you know, we just went back to the table with Vanguard involved this time. Why did it take 10 years? I mean, this is a decade in the making. Why why did it take so long for this project to really get off the ground? Well, um, like I said, the first developer um, wasn't able to finish. So that kind of put a damper on how things go. Permitting process took a really long time. Um, permitting anything in Vermont, there's it takes a very long time. Um, and then COVID hit while we were in the middle of construction. So a lot of the things that we needed were coming from overseas, and you know that really that really stopped things fast. You know, from your from your perspective, you know, I've, I've talked to farmers who who have these who have these um, digesters on their farms. You know, but just from your perspectives, you know, what were the biggest hurdles to actually overcome to actually get this going? Um, definitely the permitting process was, it took a long time. It took, you know, we also had, there was a lot, you know, we had multiple Middlebury College, Vanguard, Vermont Gas, ourselves. We all had to get on the same page and be happy with the end results. It wasn't a big hurdle, but it was, you know, we definitely, it, it's an, like, a unique partnership. So, you know, that was something we had to overcome and all just put our heads together and figure out how this worked for all of us. What I understand, and this is just this is just looking at the website of Vanguard Renewables. Um, boy, how should I put this? This is actually this actually comes under a brand. This sort of digester actually comes under a brand. It's actual a farm powered anaerobic digester project, which is um, from what I from what I understand, um, you know, they own that brand. Am I correct? Vanguard owns that brand. Yes, sir. Okay, interesting, interesting. So who owns the project? I mean, does Vanguard actually own the project, or do you co-own the project with Vanguard? How does that, how does that actually work? Vanguard owns the project, it's, but it's, you know, it's an, always a big partnership. We lease the land that the project's on to Vanguard. You know, for somebody who, who really is not familiar with this, you know, how, how, how does a digester actually work? I'm going to let Billy talk a little bit more on this. Um, he will definitely be able to explain in better detail than uh, I could. The digester here is a, it's a co-digester. It takes in a combination of livestock manure and food waste. Um, all that material ends up in the two million gallon anaerobic digester containers where there are mixers that push the material around in an anaerobic setting so there's no oxygen in there. There are methanogens in there and um, other little bugs we call them and what they do is 
digest the material and they produce methane. And basically it is, it's biomimicry. It's like uh, a mechanically created stomach, a cow's stomach, um, only on a much larger scale and producing a lot of the same off gases, a lot of the same byproducts that would come out of a living being. And in this case, we capture that methane it gets refined through an upgrader system to take out any of the impurities and produce a 99% pure methane product that can then be injected into the Vermont gas pipeline and distributed as renewable natural gas to their partners and customers, primarily including Middlebury College. 180,000 cubic feet of renewable natural gas. That's how much this project actually actually produces. At least that's what it says in the in the uh, in the press release. Th- this particular project. How many homes could? I know it goes directly to Middlebury College, but I mean, you know, how many homes could this logically actually power or logically actually provide natural gas to a project like this? Um, the last numbers that I was told, um, it could, without Middlebury College, about 5,000 homes. That's real big. I mean, I've been on, I've been on, uh, I've been on, on, on digesters on farms that power maybe a couple hundred, but five thousand—that is big. That's really, really big. It's when people come um, to visit. You know, the the digesters is kind of out back. So when you turn the corner and you see just how like giant the setup is, I think people are shocked. Are there any farm byproducts that you're actually able to use yourself on the farm? So you know, a lot of these digesters are able to use. Some of these are able to actually use the. uh, they're actually able to separate the the liquids from the solids. You're able to use that then for bedding. You know, a lot of times, a lot of times, you're able to use you know either the phosphorus or nitrogen that's pulled out of it and use it for for, um, for to fertilize the ground. Are you able to use any of that in this project? Yep. So we definitely use all the bedding, um, which is awesome. It's the cows love it. This project also has a phosphorus removal system, so we're really excited about that. And you know, all the digestate goes back back to us and goes back out onto the fields um so we're able to fertilize without uh using you know low carbon fertilizer um and less commercial fertilizer by you know meeting our needs with the digestate billy i didn't properly introduce you because you came on a little bit later but billy Connolly here um is the vermont organics market manager for Vanguard Renewables. So thank you, Billy, for, for joining us. And, uh, and give me a sense, Billy, um, in terms of this project, how does it compare to other projects that Vanguard is actually involved in? Well, this project's a little different. We currently operate five anaerobic digester projects, all farm-based projects in Massachusetts. Uh, those are all grid-connected projects, generating electrons, generating electricity. This project is different because we're generating renewable natural gas as the end byproduct. We do have a combined heat and power system here, so we are generating electricity, but that electricity is only to power the site and the farm. It's not to be exported into the grid. Uh, the, the primary product that's being generated is renewable natural gas. Uh, this is also the largest project that we have by far, but we hope that as we grow across the country, we'll be able to replicate this model and build more and more of these. Sure. And as I understand, the gas is actually piped over to Middlebury College. How far is Middlebury College from the farm? Uh, It's a seven-mile underground pipeline. 
you know, it, it, like I said, this is just, it, it's a fascinating project, and I wish I was actually up there in person, and I look forward to actually seeing the actual, um, look forward to seeing the actual pictures of this, and, uh, you know, anybody who... Anybody who listens to this podcast, you know, you can go on to the go on to the episode site and look. You know, we're going to have some pictures posted on there. It's a remarkable project. I've seen some of the pictures, but um, you know, I'd love to see more of the construction and all that sort of thing. But um, you know, I, I guess Billy, from from your standpoint, I asked you know Danielle's standpoint about about you know really getting this project going and really getting it moving and all that sort of thing. But from your standpoint, you know, what made this what made partnering with this farm you know something that that, that you thought that from the Vanguard Renewable standpoint would be a good fit? Well, I think when when we look at at partnerships, we're looking for people who have a similar philosophy and like Danielle, don't give up. Um, this project did face a number of hurdles as any project does, um, but having the right partners who are committed to seeing it through, who are willing to go back time and time again to the, to the table and discuss different directions that we need to take the project, that's what's critical to making this work for us. And having partners who are open-minded and looking for other options to bring in other partners, also the location. This project is in the breadbasket of Vermont. There's a lot of uh, food that's produced, a lot of dairy here in Addison County. Uh, some of the larger food waste producers, the commercial generators are right here in Addison County. And having a partner who's interested and committed to reducing their carbon footprint, like Middlebury College, and having a carbon neutral campus, that was critical to have that partnership so that we close the loop on producing the renewable natural gas, having it come from local food waste, and then having a dedicated herd that's generating manure for co-digestion. So all the pieces, all the components fit perfectly right here in Addison County. Sure. You know, I asked this question, and, uh, you know, Danielle, you can you can answer this from a farm standpoint, and, you know, Billy, if you want to answer it from Vanguard's standpoint, but what do you think are the keys to actually making a project like this work on a dairy farm? What are the keys to really making this work? And, and Danielle, you know, do you want to, do you want to answer that first? Uh, sure. I think, you know, we had like-minded goals. Um, Case and I knew uh, when we came back that, you know, the industry was changing. We needed to really focus on the environment. Um, you know, I think it just aligned well with Vanguard's, you know, what the Vanguard was committed to doing. Um, and yeah, I think just sitting down, talking about your goals, talking about, you know, what we, what we all want to do together um, to make this accomplish. And yeah, I think it's just really good communication and having similar goals and knowing that, you know, it, there are going to be times when maybe we don't see eye to eye or there's going to be times when things are tough and just, you know, we have to talk ourselves through it. We have to work together and, you know, we're all in this together. Um, and I think, you know, that's, you just can't give up. It's been COVID was a good time to just say, this is never going to happen. But, you know, all of us said, nope, let's, let's see this through. And just having that mindset that, when this is done, we are doing so much good. Billy, did you want to? Did you want to say anything? Um, just to add to what Danielle has said about communication is being critical, and also all having the same goal in mind. The project, the the problems that we're trying to solve are bigger than any of us. You know, we're we're talking about trying to to tackle climate change and a lot of the problems in our environment. Um, so 
having people who are committed to making sure that we do things right from the beginning and that we work systematically through the process to get to that goal, that's critical to making this all work well and then be able to function and perform for the next several decades to generate all of these community and environmental benefits. Yeah, just to keep going off of what Billy said, I really liked what he said, but this is what we're trying to do is bigger than us. Um, so any you know small miscommunication or misunderstanding or a small you know squabble that you know it can all be fixed because bigger than you know this fight, like you said, we're we are trying to do better for the next generation. We're trying to do better for the environment, and that's really important to us. So the project itself, I mean, is it, are you essentially maxed out on the project? I mean, is this, is this an expandable type of system where you can actually, um, you know, where you can actually add some more animals in the future if you wanted to go ahead and expand the farm? I mean, can this digester actually absorb that or are you maxed out? I mean, can you tell me a little bit about that? You know, I don't think that's been much of a conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm happy where we are cow-wise. <laughs> um, I think it keeps us busy enough. Um, <laughs> So, you know, that's kind of why we liked having this project because it diversified the farm without having to add more cows or find more uh, grounds to crop. Billy, did you want to say anything about that? or No, the, the project is a great size. And right now we're, we're very happy with the, the progress we've made and we're looking forward to having this thing come along and run really effectively. Danielle, what's it like running the farm with your, I mean, so, so do you and your brother actually own the farm now? I mean, are you, you essentially the, 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 you essentially are the principals of the farm? Uh, me, uh, me and my brother have a small part. Well, my dad still uh, has, you know, he's got the most shares. Um, okay. But yeah, uh, it's mostly, you know, my dad uh, with Chase and I. And do you and Chase have families? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm married to Jason Jingris, who works on the farm, and my brother Chase has, uh, his wife is named Erin, uh, she actually works at Middlebury College, and uh, they have uh, two lovely kids. Wonderful. Do you have any kids? I do not, no. Oh, okay. A couple, okay. couple of dogs and a duck. <laughs> so, so three different families, you know, um, being supported on this farm. Can you tell me a little bit about the dynamics, about the dynamics of, uh, of this sort of you know, of, of having, you know, being able to work with your brother and your father, you know, and, and essentially supporting all of you's one operation. Can you tell me about the dynamics of that, of that relationship you have with your, with your sibling and with your father? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the reasons growing up that I wanted to come home is I saw my dad and my grandfather together every day, and I wanted that so badly. I've always been extremely close with my dad, me and Chase have always been really close. As the siblings growing up, I have another brother, Seth, who um, he actually is not on the farm. He chose a different path. But, you know, as siblings, we were always extremely close. And I, I just, I, part of the reason why I wanted to come back is because I wanted to wake up every day and work with my dad, work with my brother, at the time work with my grandfather. It's for, for us, we're lucky. It's easy. We get along really well. There's definitely sometimes where there's challenges, but we try to do weekly meetings every day or weekly meetings every week where we all come to the table, sit down. Anything that needs to be talked about gets talked about. My husband is actually on the farm, so he's involved in a lot of these conversations as well. I'm fortunate to say that, you know, it's, it's been easy. My dad has always problems get 
they don't go far. So if there's something that needs to be talked about, it gets talked about. And I think just being open with communication uh, really helps things go along smoothly. So looking a few years down the line, Danielle, I mean, wh- what are your future goals? What are your future goals in terms of, you know, um, what you and your brother and your, and your father want to accomplish here on the farm? I think, you know, now that this project is to a place where we can go back to being focusing on being farmers um, and doing what we love, I think we'd love to just really, you know, focus on cow comfort, maybe, you know, update our facilities, um, and just really work on being the best farmers we can and doing the best we can for the cows, keeping them comfortable and happy at all times. Thanks again to Danielle Goodrich and Billy Connolly for joining me on the podcast today. You can read more about the project and see photos. The story link is in the podcast episode page. And I'm Chris Torres. Thanks for listening to the Young Farmer Podcast, and stay cool.